Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. I will be reading from Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 12. When the seventh month came, the people of Israel being settled in their towns, all the people gathered together in the square before the water gate. They told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Accordingly, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could hear with understanding. This was on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. In the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. Then they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they read from the book, from the law of God, with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine, and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, and to send portions, and to make great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is taken from the letter uh, written to Hebrews. Um, we are in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Listen for the word of the Lord. <clears throat> Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that, sings, that clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. 
looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as we begin our stewardship series today, our theme is discover the joy. We've been thinking some about that already the last week or so, but to catch us all up, the idea of joy, as Debbie was talking about some before, it's a word that is wider and deeper than I think we give it credit for. When we think of joy, often we think of happiness, and that's right, it is included. We think of light, we think of hope, and that's right, it is all blended together in that word. But where joy separates from happiness is that often happiness is fleeting. Happiness can be a surface level, and I wish us all the happiness in the world, not a bad thing at all. But the peace that makes joy separate from happiness for us as Christians is the knowledge of Jesus Christ in our lives and as our Savior. And so while, yes, that is happy and fills us with joy, what it also does for us is that it means even in difficult and challenging times, joy is present. Well, how does that work? Well, again, it's not just happiness, but rather it's the presence of Christ with us. One of the best examples I like to lift up is Job himself. We all know the story about how Job was faithful and had everything he needed. He was wealthy, great, big, huge family. And all of that was taken from him. All of it wiped out, his crops, his cattle, his wealth, his family, gone, wiped out. Not unlike a lot of our friends who've experienced Michael. Their lives, in an instant, wiped out. And very early, Job's wife in chapter 2 says, I can't, I can't deal with this. Curse God and die. Curse God and die. Overwhelmed with the grief, overwhelmed with the sadness that had become their lives, it had overtaken her. And later, Job responds chapters later and says, one thing I always try to tell myself in difficult times I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that my Redeemer lives. He doesn't say, I'm not confused about why this is happening. He doesn't say, I don't understand the bigger picture of this. He doesn't say, I'm not angry, upset, sad, and overcome with grief and loss. But in the midst of it, his joy is to say that I know that my Redeemer lives. It is Christ himself at the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he is to be taken and tried, falsely accused, crucified, where he says with fervent prayer, 
Not my will, Lord, but yours. I know what's coming, and if there's any other way, let's do it another way. But in the end, it is your will, not mine. That is joy. Why? Because we are trusting in our God of love and grace and mercy. So joy isn't only our happiness and our jumping for joy and all of the positive things that we associate. It is those things, but for us it is deeper and richer and even that much more joyful because we follow and worship a God who walks with us every day. Not one that created the earth and let it go. God is not looking down on us and playing his chess game of life, but rather a God that is present with us from the beginning. So the next few weeks will be discover the joy dot, dot, dot in different ways. Today it is in Christ himself. If we can't get there, then the rest really doesn't matter. So why do we celebrate? How do we experience joy in Christ as our Savior? Well, let's walk back. Our God of love created humankind. I don't know why God still messes with us. We continue to turn away, to worship idols, and to struggle. And yet, God's love and grace still washes over us. God's blessings all of who we are, all of what we have, we recognize as gifts from God. From the very beginning when God created humankind, one of the first things humankind did was to turn away from God. And we've continued to do so, and yet God says, I'm gonna continue to try to bring y'all home, to reconcile, bring you back to me. So in, our, in the Hebrew Bible, our Old Testament, God continued to raise up Heroes that in the prior chapter of Hebrews walks through and lifts up names like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and David. Even Rahab the prostitute was lifted up for her helping of the spies who came to Jericho. But we know all of the others that God has lifted up, Deborah, Ruth, Esther, all of those prophets, priests, kings, that as people continued to turn away, God sent them and said, bring them back, bring them back. Gave us a system, which in that time was the sacrificial temple system, that our wrongdoings could be taken away when we sacrifice animals through the priest to God, burnt offerings, you've heard all of that. Then finally God said, enough of their burnt offerings, they're not getting it. They're just doing the law without the spirit behind it. So I'm gonna make one last sacrifice and that sacrifice is Jesus Christ himself. And he sent his son to us to live as one of us, flesh and blood. Christ knows exactly what it's like to walk on this earth, to have family, to have friends, to laugh and to celebrate together as he did when he changed water into wine at the great wedding celebration, to the times when he was betrayed by his family and friends and those who loved and followed him, to those who nailed him to the cross. He felt the shame, he felt the abandonment. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me from the cross? 
Any place that we find ourselves in the depth of darkness and tragedy, sadness, despair, loneliness, Christ knows what that's about, and Christ has experienced that. Therefore, it is another connection point and way that we know that God loves us. If God was a God of wrath, God would never have sent Christ to be able to bring us home. If God wanted us to deal with what we deserve by completing, consistently turning away from God and worshiping other idols, Christ would never have been sent, but he was. And it's what separates us from every other world religion. I respect them all, but it is different, and the difference is Christ. So God sent Christ as that Savior to be that last sacrifice on the cross. No more sacrificial system. No more burnt offerings. Christ did it once and for all. That first Easter day changed it for everybody, past, present, and future. When he was raised from the dead, and we say it every week in our confession time, it is at the core of what we believe. So we dare to rejoice in Christ, not as a faraway distant God, but one who walks with us every day, who because he was raised from the dead means that we too will be raised from the dead. And it's not just salvation in the afterlife. That is a huge piece of it. Eternity is a long time. But it's about our lives now. And so that's when we get into our stewardship understanding. Uh-oh, Martha, look out. Zip up the purse, the preacher's coming. The stewardship, whatever he says at the bottom line, the sermon is the bottom line, trust me. The little hands wiggling into my wallet, look out. Yes, this is stewardship season. And stewardship is a bigger picture than finances, but includes it. Stewardship, when we think about it, is discipleship. We have been given everything by God, our creator, our lives, our families, all that we have is seen as blessings from God. And how we live those lives, how we use the gifts that we have all been given is stewardship. God has a plan for this earth, and every one of us is a part of it, specifically with the gifts that we've been given. Time, talent, and finances, which we all possess in some degree. With the gift of the Holy Spirit that came at Pentecost, we were made aware of the spiritual gifts that we were all given. And only you can spread the word of God like you can in your corner of the world. And if you don't, then that goes undone. Only you have been given the gifts that you have been given. Whether you are a doctor, a plumber, a lawyer, a teacher, a preacher, anywhere in between, whether you are a homemaker, whether you work to help others in a variety of groups and settings, whether you are a part of a book club, a golf club, all of it, we are called to share these gifts that the Spirit has given us. 
but it shouldn't be seen as that which the preacher's coming after. Because I am second, third, fourth down the list of reasons to share what you've been given with God. And first and foremost is that reason. I know, I know, preacher, you're looking for a big raise this year. Come on, zip it up, Martha, he's coming. Giving is between you and God. Giving is a spiritual discipline that should be a weekly experience. It is a way that we say, because God sacrificed Christ for us, us in which we experience great joy, we then live our lives in gratitude for the love and grace that has already been given to us through Christ. It is our way to say, God, I'm sacrificing for you in time, talent, and yes, in finances. It is primarily a spiritual connection point with God for you to say, this is how I show one way that I show you my love for you, for the gift of Jesus Christ. But it's not just our time and our talent, it is our finances. And yes, we benefit when you give your sacrifice to Christ. So we pay the lights, we pay the staff, we fix the buildings, because this is our main focal point, not the only, but a main one. This is the family we've been called to, to serve Christ in the ways that we are being led to experience, to discover and rediscover the joy of Jesus Christ here, so then what? So that we can take it into the world that others may know that same joy. And if you say to yourself, I'm not sure where I am, I don't know that I've experienced the joy of Jesus Christ, you are safe and you are in the right place, stay with us. As a church family, we hold each other up. God's spirit is present. It is in your heart and in your life, whether you have felt that and recognized that or not. So we do dare to celebrate, to know the joy in our risen Christ who walks with us every day. This Hebrews passage is written to Jewish Christians, so new Christians, and they're being persecuted and what would the temptation be? As many of us would be in the same place, you start to get persecuted, well, you go back to your old ways. Many of them were going back to the Jewish faith, which they grew up in, and abandoning the, this new Christian experience, this new Christian church. And we think Paul wrote Hebrews, but there's some debate there. Whoever wrote it was writing to say, you stay with it. You persevere and you endure. That the joy of Christ will enable you to endure the sufferings and to persevere the race that has been set before you. We are being called to the same. At times we know life is overwhelming. We find ourselves lonely and in the dark. We may have doubts about our faith at times but we are being called to endure and to persevere in our faith, in the joy of Jesus Christ, so that others may know that joy. So it is to discover the joy of Christ, but also to rediscover 
as many of us are cyclical in our faith and, and spend time close to God, and then we drift. And then we come back, and then we drift. Thank God for Jesus Christ. So one of the ways that we celebrate this joy is through our giving of time, talents, and finances. So we've been teasing a little bit about a surprise that will be for today only. 8.45 service, we swore them to secrecy. What's he doing, Martha? Hold your purse, he's coming. We wanna make sure we understand at the outset of this campaign that stewardship is not just us coming after your money for our gain or the perpetuation of an institution just so we have a place to call church. It is about ministry and it is about discovering the love of Christ and the, that joy and taking it out into the world. Taking it out into the world that others will know the joy. So today I'm not asking you for a dollar. Hmm. This preacher's not coming after your wallet, not coming after your billfold, although we'll do an offering in just a little bit. I have before me our offering plates, except already filled with cashola. What in the world is going on? So here's our surprise. Back in the, back in the plate. This is our $10 challenge. I will invite our ushers to please come forward. This is what we are asking you to do. In this stewardship campaign, when we are focusing on sharing and thanking God for what we have so that others would know the joy and love of Jesus Christ, we are taking these offering plates and we're gonna send them out to you. Each one of you is to take a $10 bill. It is all $10 bills. Every visitor, every child, yep, got coming down from the balcony now, uh-huh. <laughs> Everyone is to take a $10 bill. Um, this was a donation and we thank the anonymous donor. This is not from the budget, this is side money that was donated, thank you. Each of you in the next four weeks is to take this $10 bill and use it to help somebody else in God's name. Here's some stipulations. Here's some rules. Number one, you need to try and make it grow first. So we're hoping that you just don't go out and hand it to somebody on the street. If homelessness is a passion for you, think about how you can grow this money to then give more to a shelter that takes care of those on the street. You can be creative. If you're a woodworker, take it, buy the supplies, make something and sell it for more and then donate the money. You can get together as friends, as family, as groups and do something even larger. But first, we're gonna grow it, 
then we're going to give it. Anywhere is fine. Second stipulation, you tell us what you did with it. Uh, anonymously, we will keep a running list and we will print and publish all of the ways that this $10 challenge has gone to help those in this community to know the joy and love of Jesus Christ. So yes, it's on you. Yes, we are asking you to be creative. We are asking you to prayerfully consider how to make this $10 grow to then be used to share the joy of Jesus Christ in this community and in the world. And then please let us know. Again, we will put that list together anonymously, but we want to know how this is being served. So I would ask that you go ahead and please pass these out. Everybody take visitors. If you're a visitor, you, good day to come and see us. If you are from Nebraska, let's say, and go to the University of Nebraska, you take that money today and you take it home and you grow it, but you let us know. Tell us what you do with it. If you are a visitor, you, we may never see you again, but take this $10 challenge with us, every child, every adult. And what this will simulate is the gifts that we are given by God to use for God's glory in our hearts, in our church, and, and especially beyond the walls of this sanctuary. It is a tangible way to see what we are being called to do as we discover and rediscover the joy of being disciples of Jesus Christ. What do you think? Give a thumbs up. All right, all right. So remember, this money is not yours. It is to be used to further the joy of Jesus Christ. So thank you for your participation, not that we gave you a choice. Be courageous, be creative. Use all of those gifts that you've been given from the Holy Spirit, and we will see where we can spread the joy of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen.